Hey guys, G-Man here. Thank you so much for downloading this week's episode of the Fun V Tailgate, presented by Thunderblogsports.com. Had my buddy Kenny Floyd on with me this week as Maddie D was a little tied up with a few other things. Kenny and I look at all things college football, previewing week eight in the FBS, as well as looking back at the wild weekend that was in the FBS for week seven. We do also look at the college football playoff, both different scenarios for the teams that are still alive and different ways the NCAA can spice it up. For those that normally come here for just the NFL, we do cover it a little bit at the very end, but more just commentary, no picks. Stay tuned for the cold hard locks. Either myself or Manny D will be posting that. I also got to apologize for the audio quality. We had a little bit of a shaky internet connection at times. So it does get a little bit delayed and a little bit shaky. You'll uh, hear what I'm saying, but thank you so much for understanding. And we always appreciate you giving us a listen. As always, please like and share the podcast. Give us a subscription on both iTunes and on YouTube so you can listen live when you do have the opportunities. Go follow us on Twitter, ThunderBLG. Thunderblog Sports is the Instagram and Facebook handles. ThunderblogSports.com, of course, is the website. But as always, enjoy this week's episode. Thanks again, guys. And we are live. Welcome to this week's episode of the Fun V Tailgate, presented by ThunderblogSports.com. I, of course, am the G-Man. And with me this week is my buddy, for the long-time readers, you might remember him from a couple years ago writing about the Atlanta Braves, my guy Kenny Floyd. Kenny, how are you, my friend? It would be better if I had something to write about, but since the uh, the Atlanta Braves have decided to, you know, commit ritual suicide, here I am. <laughs> so uh, let's let's talk college football, please. Yeah, absolutely. Something yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's what, we all, what we're here to do, talk a little college. It's going to be a little bit more of a focus. Um, Kenny, as you, as you've told me off camera, more, uh, more of a bigger college focus, but, uh, for those that don't, that aren't familiar with you, give a, give a little spiel about your, uh, college experiences and whatnot. Oh, well, I mean, we've got pretty similar college experience given that yeah. I'm a Delta guy. I went to Jacksonville state university, go Cox were the original Gamecocks, you know, <laughs> I've got to make that clear. Cause right now I live just outside of Columbia, South Carolina. So I got to be careful about what I wear around town. Yeah, if I got a JSU shirt on, that makes sense. But if it says just like go Cox or game Cox hard, then yeah, I got a problem. Everyone's going to think I'm a USC kid. <laughs> but yeah, been a big sports fan my whole life. Um, I've, done, I've done some coaching here and there. Um, and yeah, so I'm kind of just really excited to hurry up and talk college football because I, I have a, a hot take. I know you do. Uh, oh my God, I got to get it off my chest. All right, let's start with the hot take. What do you got for me? Um, Butch Jones is the worst coach in college football. All right, here we go. He has. <laughs> I'm trying really hard to to like keep it on, you know, keep it together. But to be honest, Butch Jones is a joke. Worse than that, he's not even a joke. He's a farce. And what's terrible about Butch Jones is that. He coaches for a program that has unbelievable support, fan-wise, fundraiser-wise, uh, community-wise. 
Tennessee has an unbelievable college football atmosphere and tradition. And what's really sad is this wonderful community has this moron who, honestly, I wouldn't hire him to coach football at any level. Plain and simple, I wouldn't. And what's so sad is I've often said that I think Tennessee has, like, this weird social experiment going on where they try to see, like, if they can finally test the emotional limits of their fans um, and break them. (laughs) No, but I I think about that. I swear, you could probably go through it and find more, like, quote-unquote, heartbreaking losses that Tennessee has had um, in the past, like, 10 years. And I bet you they have more than probably the next two most disappointing schools combined. I mean, and it's so sad because they – I don't know. Have you ever been to Knoxville? No, I haven't. I might get to go through work soon, but I have not been yet. Oh, go. All right, so here's what's really surprising. So Tennessee is hands down one of the worst teams in college football right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's – yeah, but they have the second largest stadium in college football. It is second only to the big house at Michigan. Neyland Stadium is gorgeous. It's massive. It's right on the Tennessee River. And I don't know if they still do this. It's been a while since I've been up there. But they used to have all, like, the cabin cruisers, the yachts, all the big boats on the Tennessee River. People would actually sail down the river, dock, stretching the width of the Tennessee River to make a bridge. And they would let people coming to the game walk across all these individual boats to get to the game. And along the way, it was this big tailgate thing. Because really, a lot of the tailgating is done on the river. Some of it's done on land, but it's a completely unique atmosphere. And the fans of Tennessee, they are they know more about football than any other fan base I've ever come across, pro or college. They are, for the most part, they're a classic group of people. You don't see them, you know, in the bathroom at homecoming on um, during halftime beating the ever-loving crap out of each other about whether their current quarterback is having a good game or a bad game. Real thing I've seen uh, at other SEC schools, namely University of Georgia, who, by the way, is tragically overrated. And mark my words, when they collapse, which they will, they're going to fall hard. Because I would just remind every Georgia fan out there, you have one national title in 1980. And furthermore, it's mostly just Herschel Walker's national title because, you know, he's basically a Mack truck and we can't stop him. But I digress. Anyway, so Tennessee had this amazing community and it's still thriving despite the fact that their college fo- that their football team is just a shame. In Butch Jones... Uh, does does not deserve to be coaching, period. And on top of that, the Tennessee fans deserve so much more. They got shut out horribly by Georgia, which was the low point. And that was yeah. that was a sellout game. They checkerboarded yeah. the whole stadium. And they, I just, it's so sad. And, and honestly, I, I don't think it would do any good to get rid of Butch Jones now. Get him to the end. You know, I would say let him go at the end of the year. And then when you do, 
whoever the, is on that hiring committee, they need to be gone as well. Okay. The fans know better. The university knows better. And they deserve so much more. It does not deserve to be the laughing stock of college football. Not when you have a stadium that fits 100,000 people. Yeah, it kind of stinks that like they always end up, I was going to say, on these like hot starts, and then they end up just falling. Like you were saying about Georgia, just end up falling hard when they do. La- happened last year, kind of happened this year. They'd already lost to Florida, but yeah, this, it hasn't been going well since that Florida loss. You barely beat UMass and lose to South, Car- or South Carolina in a shit game last weekend. It's just disappointing. And it's it really is. Tennessee, year in, year out, should be one of those schools that if they're not in the top 25, they're terribly underachieving. But the mm-hmm. fact that they're just scraping by is, is, like I said, it's a farce. Yeah, that's unreal. That's a no. That's a good hot take, but a good take. You know, it, it's something that that becomes a joke every year, and it's sad to see see that out of them and and what's been going on with everything in the uh, the program. Yeah, it's uh, it used to be one of the healthiest programs in the country, and it shows. I mean, you walk through Knoxville, not even on game day, the surrounding counties, not just the city, the whole area around it is plastered orange and white all the time all the time yeah. it's un- it's unbelievable but it's it's just sad that they have that kind of passion and they have nothing to root for right now yeah it is it is a little sad and, and you have bama this week in tuscaloosa and then you go to an upstart kentucky team the next week who i mean what you know not, not to change subjects completely but what do you think about this kentucky squad coming out coming out of the gate hot in the in sec play Unless we're talking basketball, I'm always skeptical of Kentucky. Yeah. Simply because, and it's nothing against the team. They're doing fine. They're definitely on an upswing right now, and I hope it continues. Um, but at the same time, again, Kentucky's one of those schools that it's it's kind of the oddball in the SEC in that it's more it's definitely a basketball school, not a football school, and usually it's the other way around. But, you know, I, I think – against Kentucky, that'd be nice. I'm not holding my breath, though. I think I think Kentucky's hot, and I think if they – I think Tennessee's going to take another L. I really do. Yeah. So you, they fought a three and five then through this little span, and then – I mean, do you think they even get to become bowl eligible? Because they play Southern Miss, which should be a win, at Missouri, which – it's a toss-up versus LSU and versus Vandy to end the season. You need to win three of those games, and it, it it's doable. But, I mean, do you, do you see it happening? Do you see him making a bowl game? You know, I really don't know. I think that there's a chance, um, given that the bowl committee keeps adding more and more bowls every year. Yeah. I think that there's a chance they'll backdoor their way in. But they, I don't, have they won a single SEC game? No, no, they, they have not. They have no. They haven't. That's that is. We're going into week eight. They don't have a single SEC win. Get one on Mizzou. But I, I think Kentucky pulls it out over them. Bama's going to absolutely stomp them. I mean, that's that could get really ugly. And then Vanderbilt. 
there is a little bit of a you know a cross-state rivalry between Vandy and Tennessee, so that one's going to be a hard-fought game. I think LSU is going to fight back, um, even though I think Ed Orgeron's um, again highly overrated coach. I, I think Alabama stomps them, stomps Tennessee, Missouri, Mizzou. I think is like the one, the one remaining SEC opponent. What that I think is. Yeah, I think Missouri, the Vandy also, they're both 0-4, so you know, it's it's interesting. But Vandy had that, that nice start, so it you know, it'll, it kind of depends on how Vandy comes in at the, the very end of the season. It could be. Um, I, I do think that Vanderbilt is, again, it's a rivalry game. Those are hard to pick, but I really think uh, – I, I think – I don't know that they'll be bowl eligible. If they do, they're going to backdoor their way in. Yeah, they. I don't. I don't even see them becoming one of those like five and seven teams that gets in. Like Nebraska always seems to do. And, and I'm trying to think who else is like the the team that does. I, I don't even think they would if they were five and seven. Um, assuming they beat they beat Missouri and, and Southern Miss and and lose out. Beat Southern Miss. I'm not worried about that. I mean, that they might as well be playing playing Our Lady of the Nunnery. They'll they'll beat they'll beat Southern Miss. If they don't, we we need to make sure that it has adequate help and uh, resources available. You know, mostly the suicide hotline number. Um, if they lose that game, I, I think it's going to be bad. There's no way to say it. Yeah, it'd be it'd be a tough, tough way to to close to uh, enter the last month of the season or the regular season. That is, um, yeah. I mean, I like the take though. It's uh, definitely a hot take. A good way to to introduce. Welcome, welcome, Kenny. Oh, oh. I've got more, but gotta gotta ease it in. Gotta ease in your your debut. <laughs> I mean, you know, you can't just bite the pillow and go and dry. That's true. Jeez. <laughs> what else have you been – what else have you thought, though, for uh, – before that, I'm going to give my my reactions to this past week and just kind of look at everything. Uh, week seven was a interesting, interesting roundup of stuff. For those that didn't read the post um, this past week, it was – for me, it was a – bit shocking i mean it, everybody was pretty shocked on how on how it went down but you know week seven is one of those those weekends that almost makes me think that we might have something to the effect of 2007 on our hands and the only reason why i say that and it's probably an, a little bit of an overreaction but when you have four of the top 10 teams go down like they did it is something where you know that's that's not normal it's not something where this happens all lumped together and it's not it's not like nobody else is going to lose going forward we're going to see here other teams that are that are going to fall it's as simple as that other teams are going to to fall through it and, it, and whether they are you know the the auburns of the world or even teams that could make their their way up, and and we'll get to Michigan. We'll probably talk Auburn a little more 
Uh, but we'll, you know, I mean, we'll see things that might push championship games to being between one loss team or one loss team and a two loss team. And I really do think that, well, I said the PAC 12 is done and I'm, you know, going to ask Kenny about this when he uh, gets back, back to us. But, you know, if USC was to put together a, you know, a run for a two, you know, for two losses, with two losses, I say, and gets through the the Pac-12 and, and beats some quality opponents. Um, you know, they might be able to make it. I, I I think though, even even with that, the two losses, you really got to prove prove through it. And they get a chance this weekend playing Notre Dame. But I mean, running through it, you have Syracuse taking out Clemson. Syracuse got shut out big time at Clemson last year. Clemson having this sort of pit esque loss. So who knows that. I think they should still go right through it. But, you know, you also have Washington State going down. And that, I mean, that was the nail in the coffin for me with the Pac-12. Um, the, the other ones, obviously, Auburn loses there. And call me crazy, I think you might get to see something like a kick six type of year with Auburn and Alabama. I'll make this point back when 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 Kenny comes on and we continue our our chat of the SEC. But I think you get a lot with what's going on in, in this. And we'll see what happens with the Big 12. I think that's the, the ultimate, not the ultimate equalizer, but the ultimate way of, of how this goes one way or another. Um, TCU, obviously, with the, the big run at everything, um, coming in undefeated to this weekend. But they still got to play a lot of opponents. Oklahoma's still hanging around. Oklahoma State's still hanging around. Um, surprisingly, Iowa State has died for second. Uh, and I, I think technically gets second because they beat Oklahoma um, in the Big 12 right now. Um, West Virginia, got to watch out for them. They've, they've been going on a, on a good run. Um, Kansas State, really unfortunate, unfortunate run for them. But who knows? I mean, you run the table right through it. They, I believe, come into this weekend with a – a big, big matchup looking at it right now. The Wildcats of Kansas State play Oklahoma at home. Uh, big show-me game for the Sooners in terms of what they have. Had a shaky game in the Red River rivalry last week. So we'll see what goes on there. Um, the big, big thing, I, I talked about it a little bit uh, in the emergency reaction blog, but something I think is interesting and, and it really has its own unique place is how does South Florida and Central Florida Florida do the committee clearly showing a little bit of favoritism towards South Florida they're they're ranked just a bit higher in the AP poll and by a bit higher I mean I'll tell you in a second as the poll reloads a little bad radio for you South Florida currently tied for 16th Central Florida not in the top 25 but both undefeated both teams will be playing each other at some point same division in the American Athletic Conference um but it's interesting, right? It comes back from being this Big East, former Big East conference. South Florida in 2007 had that crazy season uh, where they, they were the representative for the Big East conference through everything when the Big East was still the Big East and, and I still had a championship game for that matter. Um, they played Tulane this week. They come in right now as an 11.5 point favorite. So we'll see how they go. We'll see how, how everything happens there. The reason I bring this up, though, for, for those that don't know, both them and Central Florida 
are 6-0, and the top non-Power 5 conference, the Power 5 being the Big 10, the Big 12, the SEC, the Pac-12, and the ACC, the best conference or the best ranked team from a non-Power 5 school, not from one of those five conferences I just named, makes the New Year's Six. The six bowls, two of which are playoff games, the other four non-playoff games. The reason why that's important and, and why you see see this, we haven't yet gotten somebody that's entered the postseason undefeated. And I'm not in any way, shape, or form saying that South Florida should make the Final Four. I don't think that at all. They're in a conference that's subpar to the other five. They're, they're not playing quality opponents like everybody else. But it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, you added the playoff because a team like Boise State not only crashed the BCS, but beat a quality Oklahoma team 11 seasons ago in January 2007, ending the 2006 season, right? You have a couple of these, and I'm not saying they would beat Alabama. I'm not saying they'd beat Clemson or and the other two teams that get in it, whether it's Penn State and TCU or – you know, whoever it may be. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens with that, where they get placed in the bowl game, who they face. The college football playoff committee likes to try to make the best games possible. We saw this with Western Michigan last year. So for me, it'll be intriguing to see what South Florida ultimately gets, assuming they win out. And as we welcome Kenny back, Kenny, I was just talking about South Florida, Central Florida kind of, I wasn't able to expand on it a ton, but and I'm going to preface it again to you. I'm in no way, shape, or form saying whoever's the if assuming one of them ends up undefeated that they should make the college football playoff or would even have a shot. But we haven't seen something like this, or at least we we kind of we've gotten close a couple times. But what do you think would happen if one of them does in fact end undefeated? Is it the same thing as Western Michigan last year, just with zero in the L column instead of one? I think I think that's probably true. We saw this, if you remember back, um, as before, this has been an issue not just with the uh, college football playoff we have now, but before then, years ago, we went undefeated and ended up playing Georgia of all the Sugar Bowl. Mm-hmm one maybe two losses and Hawaii had none and they didn't even get a shot little game and Georgia Georgia stomped them out yeah it's yeah. what's kind of messed up is the FBS you still have kind of a, your teams and a lot of those bottom tier teams can play the best schedule pop they can play the the best season on their schedule that their schedule allows and they just won't even have a shot yeah and i think that's that's kind of unfair but at the same time i understand it Mm -hmm. um kind of the talent pool were a little bit more even across the country so that we were really you know it, it it you're you're getting into the net, you're getting into the playoffs. So, yeah. Do you yeah. think it's something where, like, what BYU thought when the BCS was still intact, go 
independent despite not having a, a 13th game to you know have one more shot to prove yourself is that the solution for a school like say let's use South Florida or Western Michigan they start really putting together a good program almost like what, what Boise State did when they did go undefeated they had all those years in the top 25 and then sure enough they'd lose some stupid Mountain West game in October but if they but if South Florida goes goes to the independence you know is it something where they could get in at 11 and one like Notre Dame I, I think might be able to this year but I almost feel like because they only play 12 games they gotta go 12 and up I think that there are some teams that could go 12 and0 and they're still not going to get in no. and I think that there are two things that need to happen to to really alleviate this problem sure it uh, I think most of the burden of this falls onto the NCAA. Mm-hmm. Make sure that situation where you're you really have just can't rise above. That's fair. Mm-hmm. I would like to see the NCAA step up and either a expand the number of games or b the individual teams themselves schedule more to where you're not just playing, you know and you know it's not all fun belt and maction on your schedule yeah all, all the, the cupcake yeah. games yeah i 12 in there you gotta get some sec in there acc shoot even pac 12 is better than be a fix for some of these schools yeah exactly get out of, you know, get, i think there should be a required number of games that you have to play outside of your conference and i think that alone the ncaa stepped up and made that happen really alleviate a lot of problems yeah i think so too and and you had a i think that i know the sec did and, and nick saban's been big on it of trying to schedule quality opponents i think the big 10 is starting to um, but yeah, the Pac-12 is notorious for this kind of stuff. I mean, Portland State can only get paid so much money to get beat up by Pac-12 teams. Look at, um, I think it was, was it San Diego State? They crept up into the top 10, like in the top teens, like they were 13th or something like that. Yeah. And no business being up there. But again, I think that they sort of got thrown a bone because they were winning a bunch of games, but they weren't winning any quality games yeah yeah because they just survived so they moved up in the ap poll you're just playing you know our lady of mercy and you know you're not going to get anywhere not to hate on alcorn state but they're a trash program but think that you you have to you got to split it out you got to divide it out you have to. There has to be a way where your top tier schools are playing some of your middle tier schools, and vice versa. You you can't have it all. Just yeah, the doesn't worst work. The best. Yeah, and it's also the same thing. And I think the SEC had this happen to them a little last year, and I think it's definitely happened with the Big Twelve this year, where you're just playing all these other fin- phenomenal teams the whole conference cannibalizes itself exactly yeah yeah i mean like you could take like for instance you could take um 
a team like Ohio State, you could have them, they could go out, play every single game on their schedule. And through no really no fault of their own, they play another relatively even match team. And it's kind of what happens in basketball. It's just hard to have with that level of talent. It's hard to have an undefeated season. They get banged up, bruised up. You just drop the ball sometimes. So I really do think instead of having these trash schools out on the left coast who are running the table and winning, you know, 10 games playing what are basically uh, D2 schools. Yeah. I really really think that you need to, the NCAA needs to step up and say, look, East Coast, you got to go into the SEC. SEC has got to get out to the, out to the West Coast and get this. Here's a big problem of it. And it comes down to scheduling. Do you know that when Georgia and Notre, God, I keep talking about Georgia and it's only because I, I hate them so much. (laughs) Did you know that this year when Georgia played Notre Dame, First time in something like 30 years mm-hmm. that they had played a game north of the Mason-Dixon line. Whoa. about that? Oh, my God. Now, granted, yeah, how scary is that? They haven't been out to California. No. They haven't been up to New York, to Ohio, or Michigan, oh my or back God. when Nebraska was really good. Me, oh that's... Yeah, isn't that a little upsetting? That is. I mean, even Miami in their heyday, they played Notre Dame, they played Nebraska, they did all that stuff. You got to – I really – I really do think if you're going to have a true championship. Yeah. Where you're really going to have – you know, where at the end of the season, the teams – the two best teams are playing each other. System where – all these other schools have been exposed to other teams across the country. Yeah. yeah. More exciting football. And honestly, I, I know that there's a million reasons, mostly money, why. But I would, I would, that's part of the reason why I hate Boise State is for so many years they played trash teams, got high rankings, and then collapsed and got destroyed in a bowl game. Yeah. That was, and that's the thing is is that you had the AP poll and the BCS basically the same thing. They just used a computer to calculate the BCS. And the AP poll was just survival, 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 survival. At least with the, the CFP poll, you at least have, you know, they're thinking about who should be where. So they're at least trying to avoid that kind of stuff. Like Western Michigan, I forget when they actually did lose, but they never were they never cracked the top four because they were one of the only undefeateds. So you at least have that going. Um, kind of to piggyback off your thought, the Patriot League where Lehigh plays, they play a lot of Ivy League schools before Patriot League play starts. I'm not saying that the SEC and the Pac-12 need to do three straight games against each other like the Patriot League and the Ivy League do. But do you think it almost needs to be something like how the NFL rotates who, what division you play every single year and basically make it, all right, this year the Pac-12 is going to play the SEC. Next year they play the ACC. The year after that they play the Big Ten and, and so on and so forth and mandate one game, like a 10th conference game, but out of conference? We do need to get to the point where you're playing more out of conference games. 
rooms if for no other reason than to do a powerhouse conference from cannibalizing itself. Yeah, I don't think, I think that we do need to do more to make sure that conferences don't cannibalize themselves. Time table and going undefeated. I think that says that, you know, you're playing a weaker, you're playing too weak of a schedule. Yeah. If you go undefeated and you don't even have a shot to get into the playoffs, there's a problem. Okay. Undefeated, you get, you get a spot. And if you prove yourself cool great you really are as good as you look um and if nothing else if you're just in a barn burner of a conference that's probably the easiest solution part of the reason why the nfl has a playoff know what their talent pool is and they know even if they mix it up with what you're saying you know this you know this conference and so on and so forth that's really not going to happen you could be or one year and then apparently be really good which is weird to me that the uh, won hardly any games this year <laughs> but that's the um that's the way i feel about it i really and i really think it does for teams or coaches or conferences i think it comes down to the ncaa <laughs> Yeah, I, I would agree with that. National champion, they need to have a stake in it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. The NCAA definitely needs to to do some type of step in. Um, I don't know if they can enforce recruiting type of stuff because then it almost becomes arcane and like kind of the way it used to be of you almost get your homegrown talent or to take really one went- University of Tennessee, not Tennessee, Texas, wrong UT. Yeah, yeah. Texas is that. LSU's that. Really, um, they're that with every sport. Really, it's all Louisiana people. Um, but yeah, it's it would be be interesting to see how we can how we can get it going. Um, so here's the burning question: Is the University of Texas back? Continue to uh, to the Longhorn Network and continue to disappoint fan base because to be honest they're in austin there's a hell of a lot of better things to do in austin texas than go to a texas game and as of late so interesting question with everything that texas is going through um yeah it, it they're in this weird spot you thought tom herman would come through and you know it, i guess it takes a little time to build it out um you wouldn't have thought they'd have this great of a season immediately, you know, in the first year of them, you know, all the, all the different stuff coming through the, the urban Meyer family tree, if you will, how he was able to turn Houston around so quickly. I mean, it almost hits your point right on the head of the, the schedule he was playing and and kind of back to what, you know, I was talking about when you had stepped away of the American and, and everything there. We're coming into a conference where you have a few teams with established quarterbacks and both the Oklahoma schools um, Kansas State, who's playing very, very subpar to what they should be playing football. Um, but 
I mean, do I think they'll be back in the future? Hopefully. And I mean, it's not something where you can be super cocky about it because the way that we are in football now, a lot of those recruits that were classically going to Texas, you know, the people that are right there, you know, they, they aren't coming right to, to UT. They're, they're going, they're going elsewhere. They're going to SEC schools. They're going West. I mean, so we'll see, we'll see how Tom Herman does and, and how he can, he can get it all settled. But, I mean, let me ask you this, at least on the Big 12 over here. Do you like the idea of no divisions, one just one conference straight up, top two get in, this sort of round robin? Top two for what? Get into what? So the, so the Big 12, instead of having, having divisions like the SEC does, they just, they're doing, because it's 10 teams, they have a nine-game schedule for their conference. Everybody plays everybody. Then – the people at the the two schools at the end of the season, one and two, play in the Big Twelve championship game. Do you like that idea? Or do you think they should try to do two divisions of five or add teams and then expand out? You know, I think it's okay. I, I don't really see it as being a, a massive issue. But I will say this. I think in especially in recent years. The way the SEC has set up their championship game, I think, is sort of the gold standard. Yeah. And a lot of it, I think, has to do with the fact that it's such a strong conference. It really is. It's a well-rounded, strong conference. And with one or two schools that really aren't pulling their weight, unfortunately, that's Tennessee. As far as I've been concerned, the SEC championship – might as well be the national championship in terms of the talent and the quality that you're putting into one game, one matchup game. Now, if we wanted to do something where the conference champion of every, of every, of every FBS conference made it into a playoff, I do think that that would be kind of an ideal situation in my mind. Now, I'm no, I think that's, that's getting to be a little excessive, but I do think that if you are your conference champion, it gets you into, into a larger playoff scenario. No, I agree with you there. I thought last year, as much as I'm not a big Penn state guy, you know, they did win their conference. They beat Ohio State. They they deserved to get in. They may not have been, you know, they beat them, but they, you know, on paper, they probably wouldn't have done as, as well as Ohio State, you know, their playoff appearance last year, notwithstanding here. But, you know, I, I agree with you. I think it's crazy that you had three conference champions of the, quote, power five that didn't get in. Um, you know, you're putting the best in, but, you know, the, the best, one of your four best lost to a team you left out that played USC to a great Rose Bowl game. I think, yeah, you do, especially if you want to call it the Power Five and have this whole, you know, non-Power Five rankings and getting those people into the New Year's Six and all that stuff that, you know, what used to be the BCS Bowl games, you almost got to at least reward yourself for winning it. I mean, even with the cannibalism and everything that we were talking about before, it's nuts that, that you could win a conference and because you have two losses immediately get disqualified from it. Yeah, no, I think that that's absolutely, I think that's a valid point, but I also want to go off. I hadn't even thought about this in a while, but I think the idea of having a power five, I think that's destructive. Oh, absolutely. To, 
I think it is because what you're right there, you're, I was talking about you had the top tier, uh, 1A teams, and then you had your teams who are still technically FBS teams, but even if they run the table in their schedule, they don't have a snowball's chance at hell at even getting a spot in this playoff situation. No. And I really think I think that we got to knock that crap out, and we either need to go all in on having a larger, more comprehensive playoff system where you really are almost like the NCAA tournament for basketball. You yeah. win your conference, you're in, and you might have a you know kind of a bracket buster situation. If we don't at least give like a school like what'd you say, Western Michigan? Yeah, Western Michigan was the one last year, and Penn State, too. Penn State got left out, and they won the Big Ten. Exactly. If you have a situation like that, they're clearly doing something right. How good they are, let's put them – let's settle it on the field, not with computer programs or a committee. If you get in, you get in. Play. Settle it on the field. And I think that is – you know, if you want to – then seed your tournament bracket yeah. where if you've got a Go team right like Alabama who just rolled over what is statistically the best conference in the game. If you want to seed them a number one and then make them play kind of a lower seeded team first, I don't see any problem with that. Or even give them a bye, make it, make it a yeah. 10 team bracket, something like that. Yeah. Give them a shot to get in. Still. Yeah, I mean, it might be, but at the same time, good Lord, we have, we have like a, we'll have like a six-win team playing a bowl game. Yeah. On like Monday. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. No, it's true. And it's, it's crazy. Like, I've always thought that it should be at least eight teams. And everybody's worried about what the, the different bowl games will be and, and all that good stuff. Then you could either do the Rose Bowl as a quarterfinal game and just make, no matter how good the Big Ten and Pac-12 champions are, make them play, the winner moves on, or just make the bowl games those games, just like they do now. They have they rotate which ones are which. But just just do that and continue doing that so that the bowl, bowl corporations, or however the bowls are structured monetarily-wise, still get their money. And you're getting a you're getting millions and millions and millions of viewers to watch these games because they matter. And even having something, let's just use, let's use 10 or six or whatever. You give a couple teams their worth of a buy or even say, because I'm, I'm trying to rack my brain. I could count it up of how many conferences there really are in the FBS. And maybe there's some constriction that needs to be done to make it kind of work. Say, let's just call it eight. And I, and it might, that actually might be right. Uh, close to it. it might be nine or ten but say it's let's say it's eight you do okay. a 10 team bracket no 12 team bracket your eight conference champions just like with baseball all get buys then your wild card teams are the play-in games granted you might have the same issue that baseball has right now and it's up for debate of you're having good teams play each other in the first round and a better team, you know, you know, gets knocked out earlier than a not better team. But just like you said it, just like you said, and like the not to really change sports, but like the New York Yankees are doing right now, let them settle it out on the field. 
let him figure it out there. Let him go after it. And if that team goes on a run, great. If it ends up hurting the final product at the very end, all right, I guess so. But you have it in the college basketball tournament and nobody really bats an eye to it. I guess it's always, it's been there for a long time and basketball tournaments have always been a thing comparatively to football, but you know, why not change it up that way? Well, I think that there's a reason why, I mean, I think that there's a reason why March, you know, really March Magnus and, and then ending it with, you know, then you have the the tournament itself, you know, the, the tournament is, I think that's, I really do like the way that's set up. Yes, it's long. Yes, it's, yes, it's massive. But at the same time, I really do think you get a more true idea of who is where. Who is truly good? Who is average? And who is the real national champion? Yeah. I mean, if if yeah. I think it it's it's kind of sad that it you know you could I think it's really messed up that you could be a, an eighteen year old kid who goes to like Penn State on scholarship and you don't even get a shot at a national title even if you put in the work, even if you win a ridiculous number of games, you play legitimately top-tier football, it's sad that you're not even going to get a shot. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's, I think, what really hurts schools like Western Michigan, a lot of the, the teams out on the left coast. And I think that a lot of those – middle or even lower tier teams that just can't hardly recruit. They're never going to get any five-star recruits because they know they're never going to get any exposure. They're never going to get a shot. But if you had a playoff system where if you win your conference title, you get in, that's where you're going to get exposure. That's where you're putting everyone on the same level and saying, okay, play, let's settle this. Yeah. Forget the yeah. rankings. Let's get let's see who can get where. I agree. And and you get something to the levels of bracketology and all that good stuff. I'm not saying put, you know, all the bowl field in because could get a little little absurd. But even if you went, well, let's even put the, the tinfoil cap on a little tighter and say sixteen teams. I mean you have a sweet you have the sweet sixteen of football and you that's fifteen different bowls that you've now just made playoff games and now instead of three games getting you know massive amounts of views because you want to see who's going to win the national title you get 15 games that that watch that I mean kind of writes itself there but it'll be interesting to see how it all goes and how if something where you know let's say and I, I threw this out when you'd stepped away if this year turns into 2007 round two how it all shakes out. Cause I wrote in this reaction piece I did last Sunday that the PAC 12 is done no matter how the rest of the season goes. Cause kind of my thought is, is that four teams losing in one weekend is extremely rare, but that doesn't mean that those, those four teams or any of the other teams in the top, let's say top 20 aren't going to lose. It doesn't mean that Alabama's impervious from a loss. It doesn't mean that Auburn's now going to try to work their butts off to try to make the iron ball you know, the pick six game 
on steroids, you know, the next greatest football game ever. You know, it, it's statistically yeah. improbable that, that another top 10 team is, isn't going to lose. I'm so, going to stop you right there and say that was not the greatest game possible. That nearly caused, you know, riots across the great state of Alabama. There were hearts broken. And I'll be honest, there's, there's probably a trailer or two that got knocked over. It got, it, it got ugly. I'm I mean, sure it you did. You had a lot of people calling into work and, you know, it got, it got bad. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. I, I, that's my, I guess, northerner hot take on it. But still, you know, I mean, you, you almost have to think, though, that Auburn's now a team on a mission. Granted, they have to play Georgia, which, you know, we, we've covered your thoughts on them. So that might be, you know, a true show-me game for the, for the Bulldogs instead of for the Tigers. But that you I'll have to honest. think. Okay. That's probably, I said, like, at some point, Georgia's going to hit a wall and fall apart. Because they're the University of Georgia, they, I, I know there's a lot of problem. There's probably a lot of Bulldog fans out there who are probably wanting to, um, probably wanting to to stomp me out. But I'm going to be honest, and if they're honest with themselves, they'll admit this. They have a horrible habit of starting seasons really, really, really hot, and then just petering out. And by the way. That's why they now have Kirby Smart as head coach. And all the years, I think he was there like 12 years. Mark Richt did that over and over and again. And before Richt, Dooley. Dooley did that over and over again. Now, Kirby Smart is a quality coach. But there's this thing with Georgia, and I don't know if it's part of a culture or just sort of – weird curse that's on them i kind of hope it's a wonderful combination of the two um but at the same time i really think that could be the game georgia auburn that could be the game that makes or breaks this year for the georgia bulldogs and very well it could be for auburn too that's gonna be one of the most watchable games i think south of the mason dixon line yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, what if, though, kind of on my original thought, do you think that we could head towards a 2007 round two where we have you know, two lost teams make the, make the playoff for the first time and, and that this could spiral into some chaotic level? You know, Alabama you know, kind of excluded because they almost look like they'll roll in 12-0. Um, but do you think it's possible that we'll see a two-loss Big Ten team or a two-loss Big 12 team getting in there? I think that's possible. I Part of me doesn't want to see that happen, but at the other time, I'm the kind of sick individual that likes to watch the world burn. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. I, I think that – oh, yeah. Back when they were like the BCS computers, every week I would root to like have the BCS computers – spontaneously combust so that we could finally be free of the arcane system that uh, was the uh, BCS um, computation algorithm. But I will say this. I think it could happen. And I just, I really think right now, the one thing that is really keeping college football sticking to this playoff system really might be the University of Alabama. 
because they're up they're holding up their end of the bargain as year in year out being a quality team that is playing tough opponents they are legitimately getting into the playoffs they are legitimately getting to the national title game and no one can look at them and say oh well you know you got in because someone else got shafted or you got in because you played a cupcake schedule and we felt obligated to give you a spot. I really think they're upholding their end of the bargain. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's definitely something where until everything really falls apart that the NCAA isn't going to do anything about it. It really wasn't until that BC, or, uh, BCS, Boise State – you know, went undefeated against in with the Statue of Liberty play that that the NCAA even considered changing changing away from the BCS, and that took what seven years to do. Um, so I, I think you're kind of right that if if unless Bama loses or gets in on almost a technicality, like if in the kick six year, I forget who Auburn beat in the SEC championship game. But Auburn loses their two-loss team. Alabama has the better record, but they still get shafted. Um, let's say that happened in, in a play in a college football playoff scenario. Then, then they really need to, or they get in rather. Then they really need to start thinking. They'd start thinking expansion or, or otherwise. It it'll be interesting to see how it goes from here. But I mean, kind of just looking ahead. I mean, it, it almost looks like despite Clemson losing to Syracuse, they're still. Is sitting pretty because I, I don't think NC State's getting through the gauntlet that they have for the rest of the season. So I, I think Clemson's going to get in. Alabama's going to get in. Big Ten kind of depends on how this weekend goes and how the rest of the dominoes fall. But basically the winner of that Big East or Big Big Ten East threesome of Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan, if Michigan can rebound is the one that gets in unless Wisconsin comes in undefeated and wins. But they're, they're in the same boat that you were talking about before. They have the shit schedule in the Big Ten West. So that kind of raises concern. And then, to me, the Pac-12's done, so Big Big 12 winners. Basically what I'm thinking for the playoff. Oh, I want to back up for a second. You mentioned Wisconsin. Hell, this almost happened last year. Wisconsin right. almost backdoored their way in. Yeah, you're right. And, and they just dropped a game. But – well, they should have beaten Ohio sleep. State too last year. Right now, don't sleep on the Badgers. I really think that they're. I think that they're a quality program. Yeah. And again, I think that first off, they're going to go to a fantastic bowl game again this year. But I really think that they're gonna they're going to be important in settling this playoff issue because they're right on the cusp of: do we let them in? Do we not? They're playing a hard enough schedule, but they just they will drop one or two games. But do we let but are they good enough to really battle it out? And I think that I think that they are. Um, but at the same time, I I just uh, I get caught up on seeing this. Honestly, the other thing is from a fan point of view, I get kind of caught up on seeing the same teams year in, year out, just running the country. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that at some point, you know, at some point that just sort of gets redundant. And, um, you know, I, I just, uh, I don't, seriously, I, 
I'm also kind of stuck on the fact that Clemson lost a sorry excuse. Sorry excuse. <laughs> you never heard that? No, I haven't. The only one oh, I've yeah. heard of, of Big East teams is Villanofan, which I enjoy of being in the Philadelphia area. <laughs> oh, speaking of schools that are typically no fun, did you see the video of the BYU cheerleaders and their mascot throwing down? No, I didn't. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the Mormons. No, granted. Yes. Um, so, apparently, Mormons can dance. Like, who could – who'd have thunk it? I mean, granted, I'm sure they're all probably married by the time they're, like, 19. But seriously. Most are. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know if that's a stereotype or not. So, if there are any Mormons out there, I'm sorry if I'm just, like – trashing your your religion i don't mean anything by it i'm just ignorant but yeah go look it up byu uh like cougar mascot it'll be the first thing that pops up it's it's fantastic all right and our bleacher creature of the week bringing it back from the bullpen cart the baseball podcast it's a segment we usually do oh kenny he's already in folks he's in he's got it oh my god (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you, though. If Wisconsin's able to do this, because it, it's funny that they don't play they don't play Ohio State. They play Michigan, and that's something that I should even preface, too, that if they beat Michigan, they – I mean, Michigan's done if they lose to, to – really, if they lose again, they're done. They just play spoiler. They have to beat Penn State this weekend at Happy Valley. They have to go – I think they host Ohio State at the end of the year. They also have to go to Wisconsin. They hosted them last year, won a close – game the defense kind of pulled it out for them uh but they don't they they don't look out i mean that defense could could come up and surprise them again but the badgers beat them they go to the big 10 championship kind of beat whoever wins the penn state ohio state rematch and you know that's quality schedule there and and undefeated so you almost have to think out of a power five conference you're you're definitely in i i think that that's that's going to be something we need to watch for there's going to be something shaken up with all those you mentioned um again i'm back on wisconsin i i always have felt that that's probably a really hard place to play it is because it absolutely is yeah because it's what just as far north as like green bay which is the coldest fucking place ever the balls are rock I mean, basically I, yeah and let's not forget badger stadium it's an open air field yep. and by the way you're in Wisconsin. What's there to do except for shovel snow, eat cheese, and drink beer and milk cows? So yeah, it's basically play football get, and hockey after, to to not be exorbitantly fat. Well, I mean they still are, but at the same time, <laughs> it's how true. Hammered that student body is to one put up with the cold and two, it's a college football game in Wisconsin. I imagine it's it's. I there just to see because I have a sneaky suspicion it's one of the most hostile places to play. That's what I've heard. My cousin went to Wisconsin, so I do have a bit of a of a bias towards them. Last year, for those for those that know, um, not a big Penn State guy, despite growing up in Pennsylvania my whole life. Have my stepbrother played lacrosse at Michigan, had other Michigan connections as well. Uh, but last year, Big Ten championship game was really rooting against just, the Nittany Lions. Excuse me, I just. I just gagged on how white of a situation that was. Talking about playing lacrosse at Michigan. I mean, props to them, but good Lord. 
the Big Ten is one of few conferences that actually has it's itself in in terms of a conference within hockey and lacrosse. Um, hockey normally there's a lot of conferences you've never heard of where you know the Ivy League plays. They all have good hockey schools. Yeah, we'll, we'll kind of can it there. Lacrosse is the same way that the ACC and the Big Ten. I'm sure I'm pretty sure are the only ones that have this. But yeah, they the Big Ten really boosting up their lacrosseness. But yeah, it's um. Back on Wisconsin, though, yeah, they they it's a tough place to play. They love all of their different sports. Um, also have you know the good basketball as well. Uh, can't ever forget that. But their football is life. Saturdays are for the Badgers, and then Sundays are for the Packers. It's that's all you do that weekend: drink beer, eat cheese, watch football. Yeah, I'm I'm looking over some of the uh, top twenty-five games that are coming up this weekend. Yeah, let's look at some games. What do you, and... what do you got for? Uh, It'll be really entertaining. UCF and Navy. I like that game a lot. I like this one too. I think Navy's underrated. Yeah, I think they what they just take an L last weekend. Yeah, they lost at Memphis and a good Memphis squad. By the way, Memphis is rising up. They they oh, used yeah. to be a kind of a trash program, but they are legitimately starting to they're still rough around the edges. There's still some things they got to hammer out, but they're they're growing, and I think that they're gonna they're kind of on the rise as far as the program. But UCF Knights five and zero Navy. They got one loss. You drop a you drop a loss to Memphis. They're a scrappy team. Uh, I, I that's that's gonna be a fun game to watch. I also as much as I. Uh, I really hope Syracuse has a little bit of magic left in the tank. They're going up against, you know, eight Miami, who just barely squeaked out over Georgia Tech. That was um, th- that was hard to watch. You know, again, I'm not a you know I'm not a big fan of Miami. I'm even less of a fan of Miami because they picked up Mark Richt, and yep. Yep. you know, sorry, I think he's a trash human and he's playing at a at a trash school, but whatever also i i gotta say this though notre dame is going empty the bank account on notre dame over usc empty the bank account yeah i think usc is going to fall apart i think they're overrated and granted i think i think they're always overrated because that's that's a really large market. The, probably the next two, like them and UCLA, are definitely the big fish in a very big pond at um, out on out in California. So there's mm-hmm. a huge market there. Um, but I think Notre Dame will probably beat USC, and then hopefully the rest of their season falls apart. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see that it goes. They're they're coming in as three and a half point favorites. The battle for the jeweled shillelagh is what it's called. Um, no, I agree with you though. I think. Did you just make yeah. that up? No, no, it is. I remember this from NCAA football. That's their trophy game. The jeweled shillelagh. Um, I don't even was, know what the hell a shillelagh is. I just know it's something Scottish. No, it's Irish. It's the cane that that the. If you look at the Boston Celtics mascot, the thing the guy's leaning up against, that's a shillelagh. Oh, I thought that was just a pimp cane. <laughs> I guess that's where the, the concept originally came from. But, no, I agree with you. This is a game I'm looking at. Uh, definitely it's huge for Notre Dame, and I think this is something where 
as much as I'd like to see USC kind of fall apart and, and just all the hype they had and all the shakiness that's ensued in route to their six and one record right now, where I need to look at what their, their ATS record is, but it's terrible. I don't, I think they might've covered one game. I think they might be one and six against the spread, but they come into this incredibly shaky. They barely won against Utah last week. Um, and they've barely won a lot of games coming into this. I feel you know, like Utah. I feel like Utah comes really close to upsetting teams, and then they just fall apart. Well, they had that good start a couple of years ago, and then it was the opposite. They just completely fell apart. They looked like they were unstoppable. Then they like they played Cal on like a Thursday night. It was a shitty game. Cal barely got through, and then Cal fell apart. Utah like just I think started five and zero and finished the season like six and six or something like that. I'd, I'd have to go back and check the tape, but. You know, it's funny, USC, I think, because of how the Pac-12 South is, has shaken out, that they're in this weird spot that they could go one way or the other. Um, but they're, yeah, I think this is this is a good one for Notre Dame to win. Um, almost need USC to kind of just continue to go and be 10-2 be and two by the end of the season for them to have any shot at anything in the postseason. Um, but a couple of games... USC will... USC is it's I don't want to sound like it's uh, like I'm some sort of conspiracy theorist saying that it's rigged but I will say this I do think USC is almost always overranked because it is such a it's such a large market and then I can also say the same thing for Notre Dame but also let's not forget that Notre Dame has the sweetheart deal with NBC where literally every Notre Dame game is on the NBC network. Yeah, it's either there. They started playing on ABC and, and ESPN, which I've, I've been shocked by. Um, but, yeah, this one's NBC, obviously. They're, they always also, too, they have this – I don't think they have it with the the the, F, the CFP and, and their stuff, uh, but they have with the big – with the, the BCS that there was, you know, a top 15 team or Notre Dame or a Power 5 conference winner or Notre Dame. Like, they always had that little little addition to it. Um, but games I'm looking out for as well, um, kind of coming back to your, your question from before of Texas, Texas hosts Oklahoma state, which Oklahoma state only comes in as a seven point favorite. And and I kind of agree with that line. I feel like this is almost a trap game. Texas could put something together here, make it a close game. I think Oklahoma state still pulls it out. Then again, I thought that when they played TCU, they, they lost, um, and you know, we'll we'll see how it goes uh, with with this game. I think Texas could, Texas might have a little bit of magic in them, and it, it could have some, could put a, a big big fissure within the middle of the Big Twelve. Um, Kansas State hosts Oklahoma. We talked about that a little bit when you stepped away, but that that could be huge too. Kansas State kind of underperforming right now, um, but the one I, I'm obviously keeping an eye out on. Maddie D is going to be there. Number two, Penn State hosting the Maize and Blue, the number 19-ranked Michigan Wolverines at Beaver Stadium. It's game day. It's on ABC. This is a game – Penn State's actually coming in as a nine-and-a-half-point favorite, which I think is a little high. I think that Michigan defense, a couple bad weeks, comes in. They have a hard time holding up Sha- Saquon, but I think they eat up Trace McSorley. Yeah, I, I think that you're – that's probably right. Yeah. Um, but I just saw 
something that I didn't think I would have any interest in. Okay. Idaho, Missouri. Do you see the line on that? No, I don't. What is it? Missouri minus 14. I'm looking at it right now. And what's I just against Idaho, the Vandals. I wasn't even so sure Idaho was an was an FBS team. I mean, I just think it's weird that Idaho who by the way, Loki has one of the greatest mascots, I think, in sports. They're the Vandals. That's, That's great. great. Yeah, that yeah it's great. a great one. Yeah, it's a great one. But it, I, I just I know Missouri's just ass. There's no other way to put it. They're just a garbage program right now. Yeah. But they're still yeah. an SEC school. God, I hope I, I hope for Missouri's sake, if they're gonna just because that would be kind of a low point, I think, more than when the more than like all the protests they had a couple years ago and all that going on where it caused their enrollment to drop to like twenty five percent of what it had been. Yeah. yeah. I really hope that Missouri God, that's a must-win game for Missouri. I mean, good Lord. That's yeah, just, I would agree with uh, that. I, I think that, you know, Missouri really won all that long ago that they were, you know, a mover and a shaker in football. And to be one in five right now and be – I really think, geez, that, that is that is a must-win game for everyone at Missouri. Well, it's good funny because they – it's funny. They joined the SEC – they make the SEC championship game pretty quickly, and they took a nosedive. I mean, they haven't even been close the last couple of years. But we'll see. I agree with you. Must-win game. Uh, maybe it's time to, to move, and, move and shake some, uh, some bit of the staff. But, yeah, definitely a fun weekend ahead. I think a lot of, a lot of fun to, you know, a lot of fun football to watch, a lot of good, good action to, to be had. Um, you have any thoughts on the NFL before we wrap things up? Um, yeah, um, really my only thoughts on the NFL is, yeah, I don't know. The NFL is weird this year. <laughs> the NFL is so weird this year. It's, it's, you know, I heard someone say that they thought the Falcons were the best and I'm from Atlanta and I'm sorry, never bet on the Falcons to, to follow through. Just don't. Um, <laughs> it's what we do. You know, it's it's just it's what we do. We don't follow through. Um, I do, okay. I do want to you know continue to see that. I really hope the Patriots slide and just fall into oblivion because nothing makes me happier than a Bostonite than a Boston just like really miserable. You know, <laughs> if you're from Boston, you are the most spoiled, pampered, just. Just you can't appreciate how good Boston sports are. I mean, think about it. You have a lot of titles. <laughs> you have so many titles in so many different sports. If you were a kid and you've been growing up in Boston, shut up. Just shut up because some of us, you haven't had your heart broken. You don't know what it's like. You're riding high on your first love. You are. You feel great. You think this is the girl you're going to marry. But I'm going to warn you right now, when the dark times hit, or if you're from Atlanta, when the dark times tend to hang around for an exorbitantly long period of time, 
and you continue to be upset in every Super Bowl you go to. Sorry, I'm wiping a tear from my eye. You'll understand what it's like to be – I don't think you're real sports fans because real sports fans, what binds us together is our just mutual – the pain in our hearts for when we are just – have it ripped out and stomped on. I'd say and they're real sports fans because they had the – they had such, aside from the Celtics, they had a lot of crap they had to deal with for so long. But, yeah, the kids have had it, have had it nice. Um, at least the people our age had the, their younger years to not have, you know, until they were 10, good Patriot football. The Bruins were here and there. The Red Sox were cursed. Uh, the Celtics didn't – the Celtics even stunk for a little bit. Um, so they at least have that. But, yeah, now they've been just on a tear, really, since 2001. I mean – Which is like – it just that's so depressing. And yeah. I'll tell you what. I mean, I'm sure they're just like, oh, I don't – I don't know why that's depressing. I'll tell you why. Because your <laughs> doppelganger, your doppelganger in Knoxville, Tennessee, mm-hmm. wants nothing more than to punch you in your fucking face. <laughs> because they know nothing but pain and disappointment. Yep. And at that, I've come full circle. I want to say good night. Good luck to everybody. <laughs> you know what? If you're from Boston, just lose a game here and there. It'll make you a better person. You know, <laughs> it'll season you. If you're from Tennessee, you know, if you're, you know, reach out, talk to somebody. You know, if, you, if you're from Texas and this weekend doesn't go well from you, you know, if you're an Aggie fan, whatever. If you're from UT, Whatever. If things don't go your way, go get drunk at Buckshot or something. You know, go eat some fajitas <laughs> at Matt's El Rancho. Apparently, they just give them away there. You know, just have fun with it. All right, man. Thank you so much for coming on. And, yeah, we came full circle. I want to thank Kenny once again for coming on. Everybody go check out the blog when it comes out on Friday. Keep an eye out for the cold, hard locks as Matty D will submit those to me or post them up himself. Check us out on Twitter. ThunderBLG is the handle there. Thunderbox Sports on Instagram and Facebook. Kenny, thank you once again. I really appreciate it. Hey, man, my pleasure. All right. Well, for my man, Kenny Floyd, I am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. This has been the Fun V Tailgate. Have a good night, everybody.